Welcome to the Grace Avenue Church Podcast, where we believe that the grace of God is yours to live. It is our prayer that this message will help you experience God's freedom, live your potential, and make the impact you were created for. Now here's the message. We're talking about joy this morning. How do we have joy beyond this season? We started this last week. Uh, I, felt, I felt we were supposed to go into this, this word that Jesus talks about. He says, I pray that, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And I was saying that it's easy to think about joy when Christmas time is around because there's decorations, there's music, there's holiday cups, there's festivities, there's Christmas colors all around. And it's easy to tap into the joy that we as Christians find in Jesus around this time. But come January, the reality is it's time for focus. Most of us are ready to kiss this year goodbye. Amen. And pray that God and his sovereignty would work in us and through us to create something powerful, to do something beyond this tragic year for so many in our city and so many in our nation, so many of our, our friends and family and neighbors. But people have held on to joy in this season in spite of, in spite of what has happened. In war-torn countries and in third world countries, people hold on to joy in spite of difficulties and poverty. So here we are, looking at what's to come, looking at the next season. How do we do that? How do we keep our joy in this season? Not, not just sense a feeling of happiness, but how do we keep our joy? Hebrews tells us we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, the one who began our faith and the one who finishes it. Do you know Jesus is not done with you? You know, he's still working on you. Hebrews says he's the author. He began. He wrote. He wrote into being the establishment of your faith. He authored it. So when we say we found Jesus, we got to remember he actually found us. <laughs> he was the author of revelation. He was the author of inspiration. He was the author of your healing. He was the author of your life, and he's the author of your joy, and he's the perfecter of it. He's perfecting it. He's finishing it. He's working on it. That's good to know. It's especially good to know when we don't know what's ahead. When we come out of a year like this and say, what has happened and where are things going? What's next? I can't put my joy in the uncertainty and the unknown, but I can put my joy in its proper place in knowing who Jesus is. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. John chapter 15, verse 11, Jesus told his disciples, I have spoken these things to you so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. I think about that a lot, that there was something Jesus was so certain about that didn't have to do with the economy, didn't have to do with family relationships, didn't have to do with our health, didn't have to do with where the world was going. He tried to settle his disciples into a joy that is not circumstantial. That's not something that comes and goes. That's not something that can be taken away from us. And he said, I want that joy to be in you and I want it to be 
complete. So I said this last week, joy comes from a true understanding of who Jesus is, what he's done for us, and what his promises are over our lives. Isaiah 9 verse 6 says, For unto us a child is born, a son is given, the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. Come on, say it with me. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Let's say it again. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. See, the names of God are spoken through this prophecy in Isaiah. This is the proclamation of the Messiah who would come. New Testament tells us when the time came, when the time came, when God set forth the time that would come, that the Messiah would come, that Jesus would come. Well, that time was prophesied behind Jesus in Isaiah. And in Isaiah, it says, for unto us, this child is born. This is what we're celebrating at Christmas. This child that has been born, that is named Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. You ever scared to walk in somewhere and you, you got you to gotta have your friend there with you? You're like, hey, with me? I'm with you. All right, cool. Anybody not like to go somewhere by themselves unless their friend's with them, even as an adult? Like, I'm not walking in there by myself. You, you coming with me? Okay, let's go. Let's go. Then you feel confident because somebody's with you. God with us. God with his people. God with us, which means... I don't fear when I'm taking steps into the unknown, when I'm taking steps through pain. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. That's the promise for every Christian. The Messiah came. God is with us. God is with us. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. I want to focus on this phrase here, this name given to God, everlasting Father, because the names of God spoken through this prophecy of of Isaiah, they show us God's nature. They give us glimpses into the nature of God. God reveals himself through the names that he gives himself so that his people can understand his nature and understand his character. It's difficult to relate to somebody you don't know. It's difficult to relate to someone how you, who you don't have a clear understanding of their personality, of their temperament, of how they conduct themselves, of what their expectations are. God says he's a wonderful counselor to you. He's a mighty God to you. He's an everlasting father. He mentions that name, everlasting father, which, which literally translates a father who is forever. That's what God wanted us to know in the declaration of his name to us, that he is a father to us forever. I often hear my dad lament and mourn the passing of his father. He, He often says to me, I wish my father could be around to see the grandkids. I know my father would would love to see Vivian and love to see Eden. I know he would love this time in their life. He's lamenting a father who's gone. But God is the father who's forever. And God wants us to know him that way. 
You ever introduce yourself to someone or someone introduced themselves to you and you, you're not sure, you know, they're like, is it Dan? Is it Danny? Is it, is it Daniel? What do you like to be called? He's saying, I'm an everlasting father. An everlasting father, the father who is forever, a father who has no end, a father who's always there. And as a father who's always there, we are the children of that father, sons and daughters of a living God. When we come into relationship with Jesus, we're now sons and daughters of a living and loving God. Here Isaiah prophesies that he's an everlasting father, a father through the ages, a father whose nature is everlasting toward us. You know, when, when, when Mary and Joseph are looking for Jesus and they find him in the temple, what does he say? He says, didn't you know to find me in my father's house? How did Mary and Joseph feel losing Jesus? <laughs> you had one job. <laughs> you lost him. <laughs> and then they find him. And when they find him, he says, didn't you know I'd be in my father's house? He identifies the temple. He identifies the gathering. He identifies in that moment his father and the house of his father. When Jesus taught his disciples to, to pray, he said, our father who art in heaven. When he was on the cross, he called out, Father, forgive them. In the garden when he was tormented, before he was crucified, he was saying, Father, if this cup could pass from me, nevertheless, your will be done. In Jesus' lost moments, in his tormented moments, in his teaching moments, He's identifying with the Father. He's connecting to the Father. And he's speaking that out. And see, without a, 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 an understanding of the Father nature of God in our lives, we miss out on an aspect of God that is so important. We minimize who he is. We can't see Jesus as a genie in a lamp here to grant some wishes. We got to clear the lens and see God as the Father who is always there. See, we don't all have the same natural Father, but we have the same Father by the Spirit. When we come into Christ, we have the same Father by the Spirit. We are sons and daughters of that Father. It's important to know God as a Father. It's an everlasting one. And I've, I've learned that part of unraveling some of the unhealthy, maybe even negative things I see about myself in life, and maybe even some of the challenges or issues that come with a natural father come from understanding who God says he is as a father. Or else I could be caught up in the imperfections of every father or father figure in my life. I could be caught up in my own imperfections as a father. 
where I don't get it right, where I mess it up. No, I've got to fix my eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of my fatherhood. It says, for the joy set before him. That's what we're talking about today. For the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and now sits down at the right hand of God. Are you with me this morning, church? God is a father who teaches you the way you should go. God is a father who teaches you the way you should go. Right now, are you asking the question, which way do I go? God is a father who teaches you the way you should go. Psalm 32, I'll instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. God is a a father who's involved, has input. He instructs us. He teaches us. His loving eye is on us. This morning when all the teams before service started, they, they went out and they did a rally in the parking lot and this place was empty except for all, all the little church kids who were hanging out in the back. And as soon as the, the fathers ran out, all these church kids started going nuts. As soon as the, the loving eye was off those kids, and might I name it that they were the pastor's kids of this church. I won't name names, at least first names, but last names of Shannon and Engler <laughs> were running wild up on this stage. I said, I had, my loving eye was on them. I said, hang on now. All this stuff costs money up here. The tithes paid for all this. Y'all need to get off the stage. <laughs> I was instructing them and teaching them in the way they should go. Can I get an Amen. <laughs> And if my little three-year-old was here, she would have been right up here with them. And there's no doubt. You know, that's, that, that, that's silly and that's funny. But a loving eye is always instructing and teaching on the way you should go. You shouldn't be up there. That's not where you're supposed to be, right? I'm not sure they liked that I said that. But nevertheless, they could tell by my tone that I would tell their parents if they didn't obey me. Have you ever been at a crossroad where you don't know which way to go and you don't know what is next and you don't know how you're going to get through it or you don't know what you're going to do or you don't know what the next step is or you don't know what decision you should make or you don't know how you're going to get through the season that you're walking through right now? Like, you know you'll make it, but you don't know how you're going to make it. Because we say that to people, I'll be okay. Really? You're sure? Yeah, yeah, I'll be okay. But then you're really questioning, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do all that and this? I got a lot to deal with. I got to deal with me. I got to cope with me. I've got, I've got to get me through this. I can get the kids. I can get the dogs. I can get the job taken care of. I can get the boss. I can get the, the pressures and the challenges. I can do all those external things, but the internal things, the crossroads, I need the everlasting father for me. I need the father who is a forever father to me. My loving eye is always on my my three-year-old and my 16-year-old. I love them with all my heart. I love my kids. In fact, I would say one of the most beautiful blessings that's come out of this whole season, as difficult as it has been and as tragic as it has been, is I've gotten to spend a lot of time with my kids. Which, I got to be honest, I, I don't feel... I either didn't have that kind of time, didn't make that kind of time, 
it wasn't prioritized, whatever. Nevertheless, things have changed. And I know this, I'm not going back. <laughs> I, I've shifted some things. I want to be present. I want my loving eye to be on those kids. I want to be the father who's present, who teaches, who instructs, who loves, who protects, who provides. Now, here, it's easy for us to understand that for our own kids, right? Can you understand that that's how God feels towards you? That as much as you love investing into your own kids, God the Father loves investing in you. See, A.W. Tozer said this. He said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into our minds when we think about God? What comes into your mind when you think about God? Is it an everlasting father, a father who's forever? Do the challenges with your own father cloud your ability to see God as a healthy father? So what comes into your mind? See, part of learning and part of understanding who God is is a father, I think, can only switch when we start to see ourselves as sons and daughters. Remember somebody else's parent would try to tell you what to do when you were a kid and you were like, you're not my dad. They'd be like, well, I'm going to tell your dad. Okay, no, don't, don't, don't tell him. Please don't tell him, you know. Like you thought you could go there and then, and then this was a parent that was like, oh no, I, I know how to play that game. You weren't that son or daughter of that father or mother. But we are the sons and daughter of the Father. And God loves us. Sometimes it's hard to believe and identify as a son or a daughter because for us, there's so much going on in life. And we're so used to taking care of everybody else and taking care of everything else that it's hard to put ourselves in the seat of God taking care of us. Now, now I don't know about you, but I've wrestled with that over my lifetime. It's much easier for me to just help everybody else, take care of everybody else, make sure everybody else is good, and be running on fumes myself. Be running on a flat tire. Are you good? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. But I'm not. <laughs> Anybody been there? You know, as a son or a daughter... You know, my, my children don't have to book an appointment with me. They just interrupt whatever I'm doing. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it is. I mean, I'm talking to Janelle. They'll just talk over. They'll just interrupt. They don't care. There's no, hey, excuse me. Uh, do you have a minute? Hey, I just, I need, to, I need to ask you a question. It's just like, bam, here's the problem. Here's the challenge. Fix it. I need to be somewhere. I have to do this. I have a poopy diaper. Can you change it? I'm eating, right? Can you, like, wait? No? No? Okay, all right. There we go. Like, sons and daughters understand that they have access to the Father and they don't have to book appointments. Like, my, my kids don't come to me and I'm like, oh, hang on now. Hang on. Let me check my calendar. Okay. Uh, three weeks from now on Tuesday at 4 o'clock, uh, we can talk about that. 
they have access because of their placement, not their performance. It's their placement in my life that nurtures that relationship. Those are my daughters. You are sons and daughters of the king. You have a placement with God. But some of us won't come to God because of our performance or our lack of performance. And we say, well, we're not worthy to go into our Father's presence. But you're not entering God's presence based on your worthiness. You're going into God's presence based on his worthiness. And if you don't get that right about your father in here, what comes into your mind, if you don't get that part right about your father, you'll never understand the most loving, accepting side of God. The thief on the cross didn't have time to fix his life and to clean up his life and to put some yards ahead in his life and say, well... Thank you, Jesus, for receiving me. Now, let me give you about a good six months of good behavior. I won't do this. I won't look at that. I won't say that. I won't do those things anymore. I'll love my family. I'll be nicer to people. I'll give. I'll serve. I'll do all these things. He didn't have time. But what he had was a father who understood his placement. God is a father who's always loving and patient with our failures. One of the greatest pictures I think I can give you this morning of of God the Father is that he's always loving and patient with your failures. I've learned through this that I'm, I'm very hard on myself at times. Much harder on myself than God is. And again, this is why I have to go to picture of God as a father to really see his heart towards me that way I can identify with that and then try and live that out myself because sometimes I can just feel like a failure you ever feel like a failure as a parent (laughs) all you had to do is put the Capri Sun in the box and the bag you forgot that you couldn't even remember that it was just like one thing can can I get it right And there's this picture in Luke chapter 15. It's a story of two sons. And, and, and maybe you've heard this before. There's a son who's at home. He's the eldest son. He's the one that's taking care of business. He keeps the rules. He does everything right. Sticks to dad's plans. Follows the path. And then there's the son who's rebellious, who's passionate, who's impatient. He says, give me my inheritance. And he just goes and runs out and does his own thing. And his father's like, hang on now. Hang on a second. But the son says, I want my inheritance now. He takes it. He blows it. He messes up his life. He squanders all of his father's wealthy inheritance. He shames the family name, messes up his whole lineage, his history, his family's name. It's a big thing to have a family name. It's a big thing to have an inheritance. He squanders it all. And here his father, we pick up in the story. But when the son came to his senses, isn't that our story? (laughs) 
when we came to our senses. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I'm dying here with hunger. I'll get up and I'll go to my father. And I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. And so he got up and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to those who work for him, quickly bring out the best robe, put it on and put the ring on his hand, the sandals on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for this son of mine was dead. And he's alive again. He was lost, but now he's found. And they began to celebrate. Jesus paints this picture so that we understand several things about the nature of the father, but most importantly, for people who've gone astray, People who've messed it up. People who've gone wayward. People who've, in their mind, gone wayward. People in their attitude who've gone wayward. People who, in their actions, have gone wayward. People in their marriage who've gone wayward. People in their decisions have gone wayward. The love of that father for that son was not based on the son's performance because his performance was poor. The love for that son was not based on the family name naturally. The love for that son was based on that son's placement in the life of the father. Church fam, it's so important that we get this. It's so important that we get this. God's love for you is not based on your performance. Maybe some of you are harder on yourselves than God is on you. Maybe you're staying like that son, disconnected, far from God, distant, saying, I'm not worthy to go back there. How can I? The father throws his arms out, embraces his son, kisses him. That's the love of God towards us. That's why we can have joy in this season. That's why we can celebrate the goodness of God. Lastly, God's a father who wants to produce his nature in us. That good nature of God that's in him. He wants to produce that in you. I took a poll on, uh, on my Instagram, Insta stories. I started asking people, name one or two qualities that God has developed in you that you want to see developed maybe in your kids or your spiritual kids or just people that you raise up or your children. What are one or two things that you know God has changed, he's developed, he's shaped? You should, it's amazing the, the answers of God. People s- said grace and generosity compassion and self-awareness, forgiveness, strength and patience, selflessness, empathy, perseverance, true love for people, servanthood in every aspect of life, stewardship, faithfulness and honesty, 
faith and confidence and joy that is founded in him. Resting in uncertainty because his faithfulness is greater than any mountain. Determination, being so confident in God's promises that nothing can deter you. Self-control, submission, empathy, serving, able to release things that I can't control. Knowing they are royalty, a son or daughter of the king, their father. Gratefulness because there's always something to complain about, but also something to be grateful for. Punctuality, faithfulness servant's heart. Funny, the guy who wrote punctuality was always late, but I still love him. He's one of our leaders, but he's all good now. He used to be he used to be late for everything until he got married and his wife sorted him out. Praise God for Kayla over Chris's life in Jesus' name. One of the funny ones that I really loved here, there was one that said, love for people. Let me read this correctly. It said, love, I used to hate people for no reason and they never gave people a chance. Can we say somebody was really honest on my Insta story? <laughs> I used to hate people for no reason and would never give them a chance. I I was actually kind of shocked by that because, I mean, I'm a people person, so I may not like someone, but I don't hate them, but there are people who hate people. There are people just who hate people, and they're not going to give people a chance. And God has so done a work in someone's heart that now love comes from their heart towards people they don't know where hate came before. That's the work of the Father. And God wants to produce this nature, these, this list of things. These are just some of the things people said. These are the, the nature and the quality of godliness that God is working in us that he wants to pour out of us. It's easy for us to be tapped into the reality of what God has done in us, but can we understand that God wants that to come from us as well, to pour that out to people. Proverbs 19, I'll close with this verse. Listen to counsel, receive instruction that you may be wise in your latter days. There are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel will stand. God's direction is going to stand. God's work is going to stand in your life. It says that you may be wise in your latter days. You ever met somebody that's like a lot older than you? And they're acting like they're 10 years old in some decision-making, some areas of their life. And we recognize that about somebody else. I don't want to be that in my life, despising God's counsel as he speaks as a father to me, where I'm so far down the road that I can't even see it anymore. I can't even see that about myself. But other people can. I want people to see that nature of God the Father. See, humility is being able to allow our anxiousness to rest in God and trust the joy that he's producing in us. To put that anxiousness to rest. That's what I'm asking you to do this morning as we close, to let God the Father stir his life in you. And settle the anxiousness about life, about your parenting, about the future. I've heard it said like this, more more important than what you leave to your kids is what you leave in your kids. I want to leave in my kids a love and a trust in God that surpasses everything else that you can get through anything with God. You can pull through anything with God. 
Shall we pray this morning? And as we pray and we close, I'd like to pray for that wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. I'd like to pray for God the Father to become more real to you in this time in your life and as this season moves forward. Can I ask you to stand just wherever you are? Just stand up, everyone. And And as we pray right now, maybe today God has shifted the view you have of yourself and the view you have of him. I pray that in some way God's spirit did that in your life this morning. I don't take it lightly that some people here have difficult relationships and past histories with a father figure. No matter the situation, I assure you, there are no perfect fathers in this place or in this world. But one thing that we can't do as adults and as Christians maturing in the faith is allow what someone has not been to cloud us from seeing who God really is. So I'm going to pray that joy would be established in your life and that joy would be complete. But I'm going to pray it this way. I'm going to pray for God's nature as a father to become so real to you this morning that you walk out and you're not the same. For those whose fathers didn't measure up, for those whose fathers were absent, for those whose fathers are no longer here, for those whose fathers dropped the ball. For all the imperfect fathers, I'm praying that you turn your eyes. As it says in Hebrews, fix your eyes on Jesus. Dads, you need this. Yes, You need this. Moms, you need this. Sons and daughters, you need this. Father in heaven, this morning we come to you. We thank you for your work in our lives. We ask that beyond a shadow of a doubt, we would see so clearly the hand of God the Father in our life. Lord, we pray this morning that whatever issues, whatever challenges, whatever difficulties come with this life and this natural relationship maybe that we've had with our Father, God, that we would see you as the Father who is forever the perfect father, the father through the ages, the father who's always present, the father who's always there, the father who instructs and teaches, who guides, whose loving eye is on us, the father who produces his nature in us, the father who's loving and patient with our failures. God, for those of us who have not been patient with ourselves, Lord, we set our heart and we set our eyes to be fixed on you this morning. Let me just ask this as we close with everyone keeping their head bent and their eyes closed. If you needed this message, you needed to see God the Father clearer today. 
Would you just lift your hand wherever you are? I just want to see who, who I'm speaking to. You needed a clearer picture of God as a father. Thank you. Thank you. Lots of hands going up. God needed to reset some things this morning. If some of you need to come into forgiveness for some things with a natural father, if that's you, would you just lift your hand this morning? A lot of us. Lord, I thank you that you are the worker in our lives. The establisher. Lord Jesus, let your spirit this morning rest on every individual. Let healing come where healing needs to take place. Let forgiveness come where forgiveness needs to take place where people feel they don't have the strength to forgive. Lord God, would you empower them right now to see beyond the pain and release themselves from guilt, release themselves from trying to fix things, release themselves from wishing things were different. God, would you settle people this morning into the loving arms of the everlasting Father in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen, amen, amen. If you would like the most up-to-date information about Grace Avenue Church or you are looking for a way to support this ministry, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks for listening.